into our message this morning, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're not going to be reading just yet, but go ahead and turn there in Luke, chapter 2. Waiting's uncomfortable, isn't it? Like that silence is just so awkward. That's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. We've, we've been covering in the month of December this long-expected hope that the, the King has arrived. The King has been born. And today I want to talk to you about the long-expected hope in our waiting and we left off last week where we talked about hope and our peace, where we looked at kind of the differences in our lives that sometimes we find ourselves in a, in a place of tension where this prince of peace is concerned. We sang about that. We sang from, from Isaiah this morning. And there are times that we look around and everything we're experiencing, everything we're sensing, everything that we're feeling it's just the total opposite of peace. Like things at work, things at my, in, within my family, uh, within my social life, things in the world, things even internally. They just don't seem to be at peace and we find ourselves wrestling with these things. And we looked last week at Psalm 22. We read the entirety throughout the message of Psalm 22 and we also, if you watch our Chop for Time that we do, we usually, it's always towards the beginning of the week, Monday, Tuesday, uh, we put out a video on YouTube where we discuss a little bit deeper the sermon uh, from Sunday. And we also read Psalm 31. And what we see in both of those, chapter 22 and chapter 31 of the book of Psalms, is that we, um, we find this shifting because the first part of it, like with Psalm 22, the first 21 verses is David talking about this lament. It's a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of struggle. Like this is going on. This is happening. In Psalm 31, he actually used the words that I am in distress. All of my friends have abandoned me. But also in both of these psalms, we see a dramatic shift that takes place. In Psalm 22, it happens between verses 21 and 22. Now last week we briefly recognized this possibility that we don't know how long that was in between verse 21 and 22. Now it could have been a momentary thing. It could have been just as David was pinning it, as he was experiencing this, this sorrow, 
this grief, this suffering. In the very next breath, he moved himself into a doxology or into a posture of praise with the Lord. But we don't know that. It could have been that quick, or it could have been a day. It could have been a week. It could have been a year. It could have been 10 years. We don't know how long that David found himself in this place of sorrow. And, and I wonder how many of us have spent an extended period of time in our sorrows, in our struggles, in our grief. I don't think long-term grief, sorrow, and suffering is something that is foreign to us. You see, we read Scripture and sometimes we see verse 21 going to verse 22 and we begin to wonder, what's wrong with me? Because the psalmist was able to get over it immediately. Like he went from one verse to the next and he went from suffering to praise. I can't do that. I've tried. But we don't know that. You see, I did. I, I, I asked a few people this week, does anyone in here enjoy waiting? Like anyone. Like we've probably all, all played the game in the McDonald's drive-thru. Like where they got those two lanes that come into one, and you're just daring that other person. Like, listen, buddy, I ordered first. Don't you, try to, don't you try to strong arm into that place. You're playing that little bumper tag. We don't like to wait. Like, I want a burger, I want a fries, I want it now. I want to watch a movie. I want to hit the streaming, the streaming concept. I'll go to Netflix, don't find anything. I'll go to Amazon Prime, whatever. I'll, I'll go to wherever. I want to see any movie, anytime I have access to it now. But that's not always been the case. There are some of us in here that still live the past trauma of going to the video store to rent a VHS. Google it. It used to exist. And you go in and you see the box of the movie that you want to watch. And euphoria hits. You know that I'm going to be able to get this movie. I'm going to be able to go home. I'm going to be able to watch it. And I'll probably not rewind it, even though it has a sticker on there. It says, please be kind. Rewind. I'm probably not going to turn it, turn it back in on time either. It's worth the penalty. I've wanted to see this forever. And you get there, and all hope is lost. Happiness is dashed. When there's no movie behind the case. You have to stand there and wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait at all. I asked some people what was like the longest things that they had waited on throughout the week. And one gentleman who shall remain nameless for the sake of his peace on this Christmas day said, I waited one hour and 49 minutes in line with my wife to buy her a present that she wanted. And I love the specifics of that, right? Like sometimes we'll round up. It's like, I was about an hour and a half, hour and 45, maybe two hours. No, no, no. My dude had it timed. He was like, it was an hour and 49 minutes. 
And he waited in line. Some of us have waited in situations like that. Some of us, I know some of you in here, we can, we can go even further than that. Let's go beyond days, let's go beyond months, let's go beyond years. Some of you in here have been waiting a lifetime for the Bengals to win a Super Bowl. Too far? Too far? No? Okay. But on a more, on a more serious note, some of you may have been in here, you, you may be in here and you've, you've waited, maybe for a child. Maybe you've been waiting for that all clear from a medical report. Maybe you've been waiting for that relationship to be restored. Maybe that hurt that is still cutting you so deeply from years past that's still open, you're waiting for that wound to heal. See, whether it be big or whether it be small, waiting's not easy for us. Whether we're waiting as like a community, we wait upon the return of Jesus Christ. We await on the communal promises that we find in this book. And then sometimes we can zoom it in and we're waiting on these personal promises promises. We're waiting on these things that we glean from God's Word that we know that come into our lives that are supposed to be happening, but yet we find ourselves in that place of already, but not yet. This Christmas morning, I want to encourage you with this word that there is hope even in your waiting. Now, I want to read Luke chapter 2. I want to start with verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons... Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised... You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. And she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 
And when Joseph and Mary had done everything, everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Two things, two people should stand out to us in this passage. We have Simeon, we have Anna. And they both have something in common. According to Scripture, the Gospel of Luke, Simeon was waiting for the Lord. He had waited his entire life, and upon seeing the Messiah, upon holding the Savior in his arms, he said, the promise has now been fulfilled. I can die in peace. Y'all got your hopes up there because I kind of misspoke because the Scripture read that your servant may go in peace. I actually said the sermon may go in peace. Y'all thought I was done. But he said that I can now go in peace because I'm holding this promise. But up until that point for the entirety of his life, he was waiting on the Messiah to come. For Anna, in verse 37, it says she never left the temple. In the original Greek word, the word that's used for Simeon and waiting, and Anna and never leaving are the same Greek word. They were both waiting with eager anticipation, hoping, longing for this Savior, this Messiah, this one that is born to free the captives, to set the prisoner free, to be our Redeemer, to serve as our Savior. And we see two individuals here waiting on the Lord. Now, waiting is not anything that is new in Scripture. We see it all around. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, we read this. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, He will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. A little bit of a side note here. This is Old Testament. And for anyone who still holds the concept in your heart that the God of the Old Testament is merely just a God of wrath, judgment, and, and striking people down, read this verse again. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, He will rise up to show you compassion. But we see here at the end, blessed are all who wait for Him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, we read this, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I, I would be curious this morning as to how many of you in here, by a show of hands, you are waiting on something in your life. You're waiting on, so you're waiting on a promise of God. You're waiting for something to come to pass. 
You may have been here last week, you may have heard the sermon from last week, and you, it may have resonated with you, it may have resounded in your spirit to go, yes, I, because we talked about being in darkness, that we are in this place of struggle, we face dark times every way that we turn, even internally at times. But yet we were challenged whenever the doxology, the praise came about that even in the midst of our struggle, we still need to be praising God because we're seeing a bigger picture. You see, there's times in our waiting that we have to make sure that our posture is correct. Anybody ever have that, that, that parent or that grandparent? It's always on to you about your posture. There's a posture that we need to have as believers as we are waiting. I would love to be able to stand up here and tell you that you can move each and every time from the struggle straight into worship. But that's not the reality of what we see in Scripture. That's not the reality of what you and I face on a daily basis. So we must make sure that we're doing things in the right posture. We're handling ourselves correctly. Romans 8.25 says this, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In Isaiah chapter 40, starting with verse 28, if you will turn there with me this morning. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. I am not good at waiting much less waiting patiently. You see, if we revisit the concepts again from last week, if we find ourselves trying to move from the struggle into praise, or moving from lament into doxology, I think that we have really got it figured out how to be in struggle. I think I would dare say that some of us have even embraced our struggles as our identity. We've become friends with the dysfunction and the struggle and the grief and the sorrow and the pain in our lives. We've been there for so long. We've, we've planted the flag. We said, this is where I'm now residing. I think that we've truly figured out how to lament but I wonder if we know how to doxology. I wonder if we know how to praise. We see Jesus on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
But we also see that he was referencing the entirety of Psalm 22, which means that even in the midst of his circumstance, even in the midst of him being crucified innocently on Calvary's cross, he was still moving to praise. You see, and that's when it's the most difficult for us, isn't it? Whenever we find ourselves still in the struggle, but yet we're waiting on the fulfillment of a promise. We're waiting for our circumstances to change. We're waiting for this relationship to change. We're waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. It's in those times that it's the most difficult for me to praise. Oh, you let everything go right in my life, I be praising. It's easy for me. It's simple for me. Because I'm getting everything that I want. But my goodness, man, when I'm struggling, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, to to praise in the waiting. To truly, truly honor God and glorify God in the waiting. But yet, that's what we see Simeon and Anna doing. They have this posture of waiting. And I would love to be able to tell you that my posture is always God-honoring. But you can ask my wife. My posture of waiting is sometimes pretty whiny. I can get a little irritable. I can be frustrated. I can go from zero to ten on the frustration scale like that. Anybody else discovered that like since 2020? It's like there's no in-between. Like it used to take me a while to come up to boil. Now I turn into the anger character on inside out. Just within a moment's notice. But whenever I'm waiting, I don't always wait well. And I tend to allow my flesh to dictate my responses. And you know what the sad part is with me? Is that my worst side and my worst episodes usually are directed at the ones that I love the most. And the ones that I'm closest with. The ones that I don't want to hurt are the ones that it seems like I take all of my anger and my frustration out on. In this waiting of, God, when is this going to happen? God, how much longer am I going to be here? God, do something about this. Why are they allowed to prosper? Why are they being blessed? Why are they getting what, that, what I want? Why are they, they don't deserve this. God, I've lived for you. I try my best I go to church, I read my Bible, I give into the church, I, I pray, I do devotions, I try. I think we're good at that. But I think we struggle sometimes with the posture of Job. Naked came I into this world, naked shall I depart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So there's a posture of waiting. There's also a practice of waiting. 
we also have a practice of waiting. And I'm going to give you just a, a, a few little tips. This is what works for me. If you are anything like me, and you're struggling with waiting, because let's be honest, like, right? We are here on Christmas morning. We are here because a Savior came into this world. We are in a festive mood, probably. We've either enjoyed time with family at this point, or we're hoping to at some point today. We're hoping to eat a big meal. We're hoping to take a, a nap. Please, Lord, let there be a nap involved. I found I'm a better Christian when I get a Sunday nap. Anybody else? Like, I think that's part of the sanctification process. I don't know. That's not theological. Don't go quoting me on that, but that's... But here's some things that help me. Because again, we're here on Christmas. But yet if we, if we pull all the facade back, if we take the lights away, we take the wrapping off and the presents, we are here this morning and we're struggling in areas, are we not? I am. So here's some things that, that I've done just in the past that have helped me. When I get to the place that I'm waiting and I'm getting a little whiny, or I'm getting a little frustrated, or I'm about to go nuclear, bless Thomas's heart, he's, he's been here long enough now that he sees the warning signs of like when that's about to go off and he'll just, just he pulls some kind of Irish trick and he disappears. It's amazing. But here's what I found. The first thing that I need to do and I'm going to encourage you to do, relax. Just relax. And I'm sorry, I can't help it. The song's in my head. Don't do it. Some of y'all showing your age in here. But just relax. Find a place. Find somewhere. Jesus, even at the end of maybe probably the most frustrating days, the most strenuous days, the most draining days he could have, he still, when they settled for the evening, it said that he distanced himself. That he drew away to spend time with the Father. When you find yourself at this place of getting ready to implode, find a place to detach. Find a place to relax. Whether it be in your office, whether it be in a recliner, whether it be in a walk, if you go to the gym, just find a place that you can relax and begin to put your focus on God. The next thing is breathe. Just breathe. When we're doing these things, I, I know that we can, you, the, the alarms may be going off that, hey man, we're talking about some mysticism. No, we're not. We're talking about meditating on God. We're talking about finding you a place that you can detach, breathing and focusing in on God. The next thing, begin to speak. Begin to talk to God. 
begin to find that focus and begin to talk with him I don't know about you but I have never found a better source to air my grievances than my Savior he's big enough for it you don't scare him if we see the Psalms of David, if God still proclaimed him as a man after his own heart, after all that David had done, and after all of the throw-up sessions that David had in the Psalms, God can handle what you're going through. And he wants to talk with you. And then lastly, repeat. Rinse, lather, repeat, right? Ground yourself in the Word of God. Find a place that you can detach. Get into His Word. Focus on Him. Talk with Him. Focus on Him. Waiting sometimes can be a terrible place to be. But there are a few mentions in the Bible of, of something that I absolutely love when the phrase is used, and suddenly, and suddenly, God showed up. And suddenly it happened. You know, we love the and suddenlies. But sometimes there's months and years of history that go into the and suddenlies. I'm going to ask Kennedy and Cindy to come back up for us if they would. I want to give you this biblical example. King David. When he was a boy, when he was still a teenager, he was tasked with tending his father's flock. And in that time, it said that a lion came against him to get the flock and a bear came against him. And he killed both of them. In the backside of a wilderness, of a desert, to where no one was watching, no one could see, no one knew what was happening in David's life. But one day his dad sends him to go and check on the army, check on his brothers. And that's when they were being confronted by Goliath. And they're at a standstill because Goliath is challenging and no one is coming. No one is responding. David gets there and he asks what the, what the holdup is. And they said, well, their champion is here. And no one is going out to meet him in battle. After a little bit of conversation back and forth, David said, I've killed the bear and I've slayed the lion. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to stand against the army of the living God? There will be times in our lives where we'll be on that backside of the desert. Jesus had a 40-day wilderness experience. There will be times that God will ask us to wait upon Him. And yes, sometimes that waiting is painful. Yes, it's frustrating. At minimum, waiting is annoying. At its most, waiting is incredibly painful. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're still waiting, as we're celebrating the birth of a Savior, if you're still waiting, do not give up. 
Do not stop focusing on God. Do not stop seeking after Him in your waiting.